Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. The following interview is designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be. Your host, Derek Champagne, is the founder and CEO of The Artist Evolution, a full-service agency building successful brands, marketing tools, and campaigns, and also the author of the best-selling book, Don't Buy a Duck. And now, let's begin today's Leadership Series interview. Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where our goal is to inspire you to become the best leader that you can be. Our guest today, Robin Farman Farman, she is a best-selling author. She's a professional speaker on cutting-edge technology in medicine, and she is with us today. I've got her book right here, The Patient and CEO. I've been enjoying reading it. Robin, welcome to the program today. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm in a few groups with you, I think Outlier, and I've been able to have a chance to, to follow you a little bit and see uh, and hear some other podcasts that you've been on. And I just, it's such an amazing story. And, and I love to, the, my favorite interviews and the ones I choose are those that really catch my interest and just have something unique to share. Why don't you take a, a step back and share kind of your journey that got you where you are today, just some of the big highlights? Absolutely. So uh, I'm working in medical technology, as, as you mentioned, and I'm an entrepreneur and a professional speaker. And the reason I decided to be doing all of these things is because as a teenager, I was misdiagnosed with an autoimmune disease, ended up resulting in 43 hospitalizations, six major surgeries, and all told three organs removed. Wow. Right? So wow. at the I know it's it's always kind of shocking, especially when you meet me because I'm this tiny little extreme ball of energy, and you're like, "Wow, this is a this is a chronic disease patient." <laughs> wow. So so tell me, I mean, what, what was that? How how old were you when you realized that uh, that it was a misdiagnosis or that you had prematurely had all these things happen to you? So uh, it was when I was 26 years old. This was seven years after I had my entire large intestine surgically removed. Wow. Uh, my doctors were telling me I was cured, but I, I knew I wasn't, right? I, I was so sick. And they put me on 80 milligrams a day of methadone wow. because they said I was in so much pain probably from all the abdominal surgery. And some people's stomachs are just sensitive. I was like, are you kidding me? 80 milligrams a day of methadone? And so I wow. fired my entire healthcare team, took myself off opiates, I found, wow. uh, found a new healthcare team. Yeah, that was a very, very, very difficult week. A week. I dropped about uh, 50% of my dose, but found a new uh, team and ended up getting diagnosed correctly with Crohn's disease, which is obviously a very painful disease, but it's also more difficult when you have no large intestine. Wow. And that's all from misdiagnosis. Yes. That's incredible. I mean, what did you go through when you realized that that it could, that could have been prevented or treated differently? I mean, what stages did you go through? Oh, um, just happiness and relief because after struggling at that point um, by the time I finally got diagnosed correctly it was a 13-year struggle and um, I went on a medication called Remicade and went into remission almost overnight and so all I felt was relief and being grateful for being alive and suddenly I went from being mostly a shut-in in my house to someone who could hold down three jobs and, and go around the world doing 35 speaking engagements. Wow. That's incredible. And I, I love to hear you say that it was a relief. I mean, some might say, say more anger. You, you were just relieved at that point after having that long of a journey uh, to, yeah. to have some, some resolution of some kind. Yes. And that's why I do what I do. And that's why I'm also uh, around the world speaking on this so that patients understand that part of this is in their control and they really need to step up and take responsibility and lead the team because that's when they're going to start to improve their own, out, you know, own medical outcomes. Well, I, I didn't mention this about you, but you're in the Silicon Valley area, correct? 
Yes, I'm in downtown Palo Alto. It's very cool. And you are teach on your keynote presentations on patient empowerment through accelerating technology and the future of medicine and medical and technology conferences. And you have you specialize in, in early stage companies in business development and fundraising. And I've just I've read up on you. And you're no slouch in that area. You've got an amazing reputation, and, and so I want to congratulate you on that uh, and on your mission. Tell me more about how technology can empower patients. What have you found out, and what do you talk about in that area? Oh, it's so exciting, and there's multiple uh, areas right now in technology that are really accelerating and allowing patients to really be the CEO of their own healthcare team. And what it boils down to is knowledge, knowledge that these technologies are out there and helping because as a patient, you can't rely on one 10-minute doctor's visit you know, once a year or twice a year. You need to know what's out there so that you are knowledgeable to be able to bring it back to healthcare providers. So when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about things like, say, robotics, right? Robotics, if you are, have muscle weakening or, um, or are paralyzed in any way or, or have lost a limb, they have made such leaps and bounds over the past couple of years alone in brain-computer interface-controlled robotic limbs or exoskeletons, even for people who they just have muscle wasting, let alone people who are paralyzed and be able to walk for the first time, say, you know, in 20 years. So that's just leaving one tiny area. Um, There are thousands more examples like that across sensor technology, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, uh, systems and networks, uh, just being able to utilize the power of the crowd. All of these areas are moving so quickly and will really empower patients. How do you stay uh, ahead with the technology and where it's going? Oh, so I spend about two hours a day reading technology news. So I make sure that I research it and then I write my own articles for for patients worldwide so that they they get the you know information decimated to them. Uh, I also hang out with tons of entrepreneurs and technologists and other professional speakers. So I make sure my inner and outer circle are all doing really cool cutting edge technology things. That's awesome. I saw Forbes article where you talk about the five medical technologies revolutionizing healthcare. You talked about AI and 3D printing and, and man, that's just brain computer interfaces. Tell me a little bit more about any of those and, and just some of the exciting things that you're seeing. Sure. So uh, with things like 3D printing, we can start to personalize completely. So say you need some type of a body part, whether it's an ear or, or you know, some kind of a bone, right? Right now, we already can 3D print a perfect replica for you in a different material. So if we're going to be replacing part of your ribcage, we can give you an exact replica of your ribcage made in titanium. But take that one step further, and a, a, co- a company I co-founded called the Organ Preservation Alliance, we're helping catalyze breakthroughs in this particular area, which is tissue engineering, essentially 3D printing of organs, vascularized organs. So that's thinking about not only eradicating the world's transplant wait list, right? We could do that pretty fast. But think about uh, treating a disease. Instead of doing some kind of a minor surgery on someone, why not just switch out their organ with one that is exactly made from their own stem cells? Yeah. And that technology is not that far away. In fact, I know of a company that is going to be in, um, in uh, I think, animal trials in about eight years using the scaffolding from a pig's heart and then growing uh, the heart around that made from human cells so that it is a replacement heart for a human made from humans. That's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. So how do you stay focused and motivated for these amazing things that you're doing and these breakthroughs in technology? 
well, love what you do and who you hang out with, right? So I love getting out of bed in the morning because I'm going to go help millions and millions of patients. Right now, my main job as an entrepreneur is I'm uh, vice president over a company called Invicta Medical, and we're working on a sleep apnea medical device. We will impact 100 million patients worldwide, right? Minimum. (laughs) So getting out of bed in the morning knowing that I'm going to help impact all of those people and make their lives better. It's incredible. Because of the background that you had and the challenges that you had, how do you deal with setbacks or with disappointment? What's your mindset? How do you pick yourself back up? How do you recognize that it's a temporary valley? Or just give me your mindset in general from your perspective. Turn everything into an opportunity. And I actually did a whole talk around that. So anything that you think is bad in your life, and I mean, come on, you can look and compare yourself to someone like me who has had so much surgery and is in pretty significant pain on a daily basis every day of my life. Or someone like Amy Mullins, who was a double leg amputee. And she, you know, both of us, we've used our disabilities and turn them into opportunities. She has 12 sets of legs. She has a set of legs that makes her six feet tall, a set of legs that makes her four, you know, five feet tall. She can change it up anytime she wants to, and she has a set of legs that allows her to run faster than the majority of people in the world, like literally world record holder levels. It's amazing. So you call that disabled, you know, disabled, right? So using anything that you think would normally be a bad thing in your life, you're you, you know, you, you broke up with your boyfriend, you fired, got fired, you have to move away from your hometown, whatever it is that you might think is, is terrible, use that as an opportunity. Do you think that it's more challenging? And I love that. And, and that's an amazing mindset. Do you think that it's easier for, for you to identify with that because of the level of pain and suffering that you've been through for so many years? Or how does someone in that mindset set it pretty easy? <laughs> how do they get in that mindset as well? So, I mean, for me, it was years of trial and error, but I think I'm just also an extremely positive person to begin with. So for, uh, for anybody else trying to learn how to do that, just write it down, right? Go get a list of paper. Take that thing that happened to you that was so very, very bad and terrible and write out a list of ways that you can turn that into an opportunity. And don't stop until you've hit 20. Uh, I have here in bold from our research team talking about uh, where you have been called a walking happiness factory. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to ask you about that. How have you? How are you coined that? <laughs> <laughs> so I am. I'm extremely po- um, positive, and you know, beyond all of my background, if you were to look at my LinkedIn with the sheer amount of experience I have, you don't expect like this tiny little teeny bopper type cheerleader to walk in the room. But that's essentially what I am. I'm like everybody's cheerleader, and I'm my own cheerleader. And uh, which is hilarious when you think about the fact that I played competitive ice hockey for six years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me more about that. As as we talked about before, this will air on a, an affiliate of ESPN. Tell me about your ice hockey and your your sports background. Sure. So first of all, picture this: I am five one. I am tiny little long blonde hair, and I am under ninety pounds. And so when I lived on the East Coast, because I'm from New Hampshire and Massachusetts, I went to boarding school and uh, in Lawrence Academy, Kimball Union Academy, and then I went moved on to Boston University, and I paid, played competitive ice hockey to the point where my sixth year, I was first line center. Wow. Do you ever play for fun now? No, there's not any rinks like easy to get to. I'm, I'm in the middle of downtown Palo Alto. So there's one rink in San Jose and then San Francisco for like a month out of the year. Hmm. So it's a little bit difficult to go and do that now. Yeah, well, that makes sense. 
Yeah. So tell me about Singularity University. Sure. So they are essentially a think tank incubator. I'm one of the co-founders of the Exponential uh, Exponential Medicine Conference, and I was also a vice president there for about three years and uh, raised over $6.5 million for Singularity. So what they do is now uh, essentially the convergence of accelerating technology and all the things I've already mentioned, like AI, robotics, sensors, that kind of thing. Combine that and teach you about things as well as uh, environmental policies and um, how you can apply technology to some of these really big world problems like uh, places in the in deep Africa or India where they don't have access to sanitation or water or anything. So using these technologies to solve big, big problems like that. It's amazing. Um, so, so I want to ask you also about, tell me about your book. I know this all crosses over, but the patient is CEO. You've touched yeah. on some of it, but I've just, uh, there's such great reviews and I, I, my wife and I started reading and, and both kind of fighting over it and we're just really enjoying the story because it's just so, it's so personal how you went through what you did and how your passion drives you to do these amazing things uh, with technology and healthcare now. So walk us through some highlights. Sure. So yeah, I break down a lot of the different technologies and bring it to you in a language that the average person can understand. Because if you're not a technologist or if you're not in medicine, these two types of languages, quote unquote, could be very confusing. And, and you, you know, it's, it's like learning a whole new vocabulary. Hmm. Same thing as if you were to become a scientist, it's a new vocabulary. So what I did is I took that vocabulary, things like literally defining artificial intelligence in a layman's terms, terms so that you completely grasp these technologies and understand all the buzzwords that people are coming out there about. And then I take those technologies and I apply it to your daily life, right? So, um, for example, sensor technology. Right now, it's an industry in its infancy. We, you know, we're seeing a lot of bit different, like wearable technologies out there, but they're not accurate and they're not, you know, clinically, you know, medically clinical right now because they're just they're not FDA approved or anything like that. But we're going to start to see over the next five to ten years a lot more go through FDA approval, and they will be getting clinical grade data sensors um, under the skin, subcutaneous sensors that sit on the skin, which are called, um, you know, that are similar to tattoos, uh, sensors right underneath on your brain. I mean, different areas of your body really collecting accurate, relevant, unbiased data. And it will go to the consumer, which is you. And then you can take that data and understand what's happening in your body. And there'll be an artificial intelligence unit potentially connected to all of that data that's going to be aggregating and it will give you insights to your health kind of like the check engine light right on a car that's absolutely fascinating and, and i saw somewhere we're, we're possibly even inside the blood vessels oh yeah absolutely there are companies working on that as well and there's even an fda approved one that you swallow hmm which is really interesting. It's uh, Proteus, and they have FDA approval for the actual sensor, and now they're trying to get FDA approval when it's on an actual medicine. In this case, it's Abilify, which is a uh, most widely prescribed medication, I believe, $8 billion drug. And um, when you swallow the pill, the sensor, because it's too small to have a battery, right, and you don't want to have a battery just swallowing it up in your stomach. So the sensor dissolves in the gastric juices, creates an, um, an actual chemical reaction that creates an energy source to send a signal that the pill hit the stomach to a Bluetooth-enabled patch that you wear somewhere on your body. So essentially pills and sensors inside your body that, that will dissolve, that send signals out talking about the body itself. Wow, that's incredible. No, isn't that incredible? It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it really seems like sci-fi. It's, it's amazing. 
sci-fi i'm telling you it's always it's always going to come true (laughs) so back to some of your past help me understand so with some of the misdiagnosis are you saying that possibly if you had been maybe pushed to delay some sorts of surgeries that technology might have caught up with or provided a solution because it wasn't something that you had to have at the time when it was recommended Absolutely. In fact, it already existed. Um, It just hadn't been approved yet. So I have Crohn's disease, but they had misdiagnosed me with something called ulcerative colitis. A similar disease, but one is just located in the large intestine, ulcerative colitis, which is why if you cut it out, you're cured. Crohn's disease is a, is a um, whole body disease, and it's uh, really anywhere in the digestive system, starting even at the lips, right? Um, and I've got a pretty severe case in my small intestine. But there's a medication called Renicade that works on both of them, and it put me into remission within you know 24 hours of getting it. So had I known that even that medication was about ready to be approved, I would have said, you know, wait, <laughs> and let's try try a medical you know a medication solution. Never ever have surgery if you can avoid it. I mean, literally, there isn't a second of my day that I do not forget that I don't have a large intestine. It is a very difficult organ to live without. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, just knowing that the uh, anti-tumor necrosis factor, small molecule biologics, and that's the class of drugs, were about to hit the market in just a few years, that I would have I held out. I would not have had surgery. That's great advice. So you had, uh, you had another fun article in Forbes, Eight Crazy Hollywood Inventions That Actually Exist. Can we talk about a few of those? No, sure. All right, because this stuff's really exciting, and then we'll get back to the fun business leadership stuff. <laughs> I get distracted with some of these things. So, so tell me about the uh, the, the uh, mech robots I've seen in Pacific Rim. Oh, uh, those were the big ones, right? Yes. I wrote an article about two years ago. Yes, oh, yes. Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. So there is a company right now working on gigantic, huge robots the size of those. It actually exists. They go to the maker fairs. So if you want to see one of the gigantic robots. You can right now. Wow. that's So what about the liquid metal as seen in Terminator 2? Yes, that exists too. That's oh crazy. I just learned about that one, about that, that they had actually been able to do that very, uh, you know, in the past couple of years. I Absolutely. It is terrifying. It is liquid metal that can then form into a solid that like, like that. I mean, it's, we're not at the stage where it can do, you know, a, an animated being, but absolutely um, liquid metal that can form into something else. The last one I'll ask you about is face replacements as seen in Mission Impossible. Absolutely. So we did the world's first face transplant. I want to say it was a year ago, actually. From um, I, he was attacked by some kind of animal, and I don't remember what kind it was. But it, or oh no, I'm sorry. I think he was a fireman and had to, and um, destroyed his face completely. He had a face transplant and is doing extremely well. Yep. This is uh, some exciting, exciting line of work. I think this would be a lot of fun. And you're so driven uh, and so passionate about helping others. Tell me about, you, you talked about doing a couple hours of research a day. You talked about surrounding yourself with bright entrepreneurs. Obviously, in the area that you're in there in Palo Alto, uh, you've got access to some great technology and some great inventors. Tell me about building a team. How do you look for leaders on your team? What are the criteria that you have in your industry? Oh, uh, so definitely surround yourself with good people. That is the biggest key to success for your business in general, right? So I've been on teams where one of the one of the people on the team took credit for everyone else's ideas all the time or would push them down. Um, I've gone on, I've been worked with, with teams that uh, would delete my name off the, off the website 
as if I didn't actually even work there and wasn't doing, you know, 80 hours of work a week of work, right? So make sure that you find a leader that A, is not going to take credit for all of your ideas, right? They're going to empower you and allow you to bloom versus pushing you down. What is your proudest personal accomplishment? Proudest personal accomplishment? Well, going from being a shut-in to to now working on 12 early-stage startup companies and co-founding three <laughs> so you talk about being a shut-in. I mean, did you did you have a major transformation uh, yes. at 26 when you realized that you could take things into your own hands? Yes. And I mean, we're in a very, you know, patriarchal society when you're talking about medicine. It's like you go into the doctor, the doctor is God, and you walk away thinking, well, you know, they went to all this schooling and I didn't. I'm just a teenager. So you don't realize that you can be empowered and you are taking control and they work for you, right? Mm-hmm. So when when I decided to come up with that mindset when I was 26 and just, you know, because I was frustrated and I was like, well, you guys must be wrong because... I I don't want to, this is not the way I want to spend my life, right? I was in so much pain and on so much medication that it was really hard for me to leave the house. Uh, Like a big day would go to the grocery store and back and I would be just exhausted and in so much pain. Um, I I wasn't working at the time and it was, it was not, you know, it wasn't fun. And so I went from that to, yeah, absolutely being kind of superwoman. That's a powerful transformation, how empowering that is to to have that transition. And I did it all by myself, right? As a, like, I mean, mentally all by myself. I hired a team, but I led them, right? So I feel very responsible for coordinating all of that and just being the one who made the change, right? No doctor helped me. No no friend helped me make that change. That was me deciding this was going to happen. And, and what, do you, do you remember what happened? I'm just thinking of our listeners out there, if some are in transition or who need to make a change, and maybe it's not health related, maybe it's job related or whatever it might be. And if you went from that that more shut-in personality, what transformation happened where you realized, I can do this, I'm going to do it? Was there anything that propelled you to make you take action? Yes. Um, My doctors had told me, that was when they told me that the next step was a morphine pump surgically implanted. And that's basically when I said, F you. (laughs) You're done with that, right? Being an early stage entrepreneur, I've really got that execution mentality. So I went home and just executed immediately Hmm. and didn't look back. That's amazing. So tell me about your entrepreneurial journey itself. I mean, what was your first business or, or when did you realize that you were you were going to have that kind of wiring? Well, at the age of, I think I was 15, uh, I helped co-found a, uh, a charity internally at our school, right? We weren't recycling at the time. I'm not going to tell you how old I was, but it was before <laughs> the world was recycling and you could just just starting to get like five cents a can or whatever it was at the time. And uh, so we co-founded this charity and had the entire school recycling and we crush all the cans and we hand deliver them ourselves. And the money went to a, a child we had adopted, you know, in another country. Wow. Yeah, so and, and that gave you the fever from then on out. So that's just kind yeah. of the mindset you have, huh? From, from day one. I mean, I, I can't imagine it, there was never any other path. Like I always, was an entrepreneur. Like some people know that they're going to be a ballerina or they're going to be a doctor or they're going to be an astronaut and that's all they know. And I'm like, well, of course I'm going to be an entrepreneur. There's no question about it. Wow. That's great. So what advice would you have to somebody that maybe hasn't made that transition, um, but wants to explore something on their own that might be more meaningful for them? Uh, so take a page out of Google's book, right? Google was for a while, I don't know if they still do this, but uh, they had the, like 20% rule or something. So 20% of an employee's time spent doing whatever they wanted. Working, I mean, still working, but working on whatever they wanted right. to do, being creative. So look at your daily life like that. Okay, I'm going to take 20% of my time. If I'm working eight hours a day, 
I am going to take 20% of that and I'm going to work on some kind of project to start. And I'm going to, you know, you can set the goal of doing like five or 10 different projects this way. And until you, you hit on something that you're like, wow, I don't want, I want to do you know, 100% of my time on this. That's great. Any other advice you want to share with our listeners? Sure. So I've decided to look at my life uh, building like Robin Inc. and building my my uh, my pain management control or my disease management control life as a company, right? So look at every part of your life as building a company, making it efficient and and work well, and time management techniques and all of that. So why not structure the rest? Structure your your uh, your pain management program or your medical care, right? Just the way you would structure your day around going to work right? and you'll be a lot more successful in things like medicine or even you know even taking vacations I mean of course you can go and just do it nothing for a while but I mean you're going to definitely get the most out of of things if you know what you're going to do and you're planning and you look at it as okay is there ROI I'm spending this much time doing this right yeah, that's great. So let me ask you this: when when you realize, and again, I, I have I have many medical clients, so <laughs> I I do appreciate the value of medicine and, and its place and 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 our professionals. But tell me, when you realize that you are the CEO of your own of your own body of your own health, did that did that empower you in other parts of your life? And then did it also give you a distrust in other parts of leadership? Just tell me about how how that worked. First, I did it with medicine, and then I decided to take control of my life. Things with like things like my marriage, and that's when I decided to get a divorce as well. Okay. <laughs> but so yeah, so I just finally just spread those different, uh, spread that mentality to different areas until I decided to write a book and launch myself as a professional speaker. And so I even looked at that like building an entire business with each individual, you know, spoke like one tool of that. Uh, so yeah, that's that's why I just started applying. But I didn't start out that way. I mean, I'm you know always been very organized, but I didn't start out with being okay. I'm going to control the aspects of my life as they relate to me. You got very intentional on each part of your life, uh, more than just work. And a lot of, sometimes people let it go, and sometimes it's healthy to, as you mentioned, to 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 take a break. But uh, when there's areas of someone's life that they're not happy with, yes, some things are maybe out of our control and for a period of time. But that I love your approach to uh, to actually uh, having a pro active say uh, in what you're doing and, and shaping it in a different way. Exactly. I mean, especially if you're in the United States, there's so much opportunity. Everything. I mean, it's just, it's, it's an amazing country to live in. So I would say, you know, make that change. You, you can, you can figure it out. You're so right. And, and, and I love that you, that even with, with health. So, you know, a lot of times in my own life, we'll say, you know, we can control a lot of things except for health, but even and sometimes you can't, but, uh, even in that aspect of your life, you, you realize that you were able to make a change and it's, it, I mean, it, it changed your life. Yeah. Oh, dramatically changed my life. And, um, and while you can't control certain events sometimes in your life, you can control how you react. Robin, if, if our listeners want to learn more about you, where can they go? Oh, I am the only Robin Farman Farmian on the planet, and I'm very, very active, both writing for things like Forbes and HuffPo, uh, but uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all of those things. So you can contact me super easily as well, but my email address is thepatientceo at gmail.com, and I have a website, which is the um, robinff.com. 
Excellent. And the patient is CEO they can they can pick up at Amazon? Exactly. Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I meant to ask you about that, about your name. I thought I heard that in another interview. I thought that was because I have a Derek Champagne who's a district attorney and we're always fighting for space. And <laughs> as you can imagine, with district attorneys, it's not all positive press. So he and I are always fighting for, for the, the, uh, the spotlight with our own name uh, <laughs> and, and taking turns winning on it. Proactively, yep. but I love that you have the only name on the planet and and easily findable, and and that's that's really cool from an SEO standpoint. Yeah, oh, it's so much fun. There's literally you Google my name, and the first eight pages are me. <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's a that's a good thing to have. So, Robin, thank you so much for being our guest. I, I love talking to you. You're an inspiration. Look forward to following the next great things that you do. Thank you so much. I had a great time. All right, you take care. Bye. You've been listening to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. This interview was designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be.